0: This week's major spoilers podcast goes out to Andrew Irwin, who I believe is, uh, isn't he the Outback guy with the kangaroos and the poking? No, I'm sorry. That was a different guy. In any case, Andrew, we appreciate everything you do. This one's for you.
1: Too soon. The major spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later.
0: I'm
2: Matthew, I'm Rodrigo, and I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans.
0: In this issue, time to dress like a goon and win yourself a Cupid doll. Plus, your comics are worth less than you think, but will it help if they was cheaper too? Stephen thinks those will heal up if you stop wearing that for a while. The fat man wonders how in the world she got in those leather pants to begin with, and Rodrigo believes in being fashionably late and making everyone else figure it out for him. Muse, the many misfits that might muster against the big bad bat. Boggle your mind with beauteous babes buying boards, but why would we want wide women in white wagons waving wheat when we were weaving well with corn? Plus, Steve, I'll tell you, man, surfing's not a sport. It's way alive, you know, like, not a hobby. It's like looking at a wave and saying, hey, bud let's party so like we're gonna head over to australia and the hawaiian nationals and me and mick are gonna wing over to london and jam with the stones man because the major spoilers podcast is on the air
3: gnarly hey
2: everyone welcome to another issue of the major spoilers podcast First and of all, I want it to be known to that I show. hate Rodrigo and I hate Matthew, and they both hate us, and we hate each other because everybody hates one hate another in other. this show. Apparently, you're
0: hateful, hateful creatures. And remember, kids, when you hate people, the best thing to do is stick yourself in a place where you have to talk to the bastards for three hours a week, every <laughs> single week. Because yes. that's the best way to demonstrate your intense hatred. Yes. You know, this is, I'll say this, this right now. This I is have our, no brothers, but if I had brothers, I would let you guys, you know, buy them beer.
4: <laughs> this is our, our really
0: passive-aggressive
4: roundabout way of saying we do read your emails.
0: <laughs> we read your emails, and we do like each other, and we do get along up to a point. But it's like, it's, let's put it this way. You know how on Supernatural you got Sam and you got Dean? I've never seen this show that you're okay, talking about. You know how on the Venture Brothers you've got um I've never seen Hank, the show that you you're got, talking about. Okay, Dean. you know the Hardy Boys? I've never seen, got. wait, is that Parker Joe? Stevens?
1: I love yeah, that show. Yeah,
0: you got Joe and you got Sean Cassidy. Yes. That's where we are. Stephen and I are like a Hank and Dean Venture. We don't necessarily always see eye to eye, but when it comes down to it, if we both die horribly, they'll clone both of us.
3: <laughs> so, how's Spoilers! your week, going, listener?
2: How's your week going, listener? Ours is going great. We are so glad to have uh, have you here listening to us. Whenever you're listening to us. Uh, Wherever hello, that would people. be, whenever that would be,
0: <laughs> from the halls of Montezuma to the shores of the we got to get this show back into me. video.
2: Because I know people what? are just dying to see our faces up on the big screen no, of they're their not, computers. Steven.
0: They're really not. If you want to know what I look like, I want you to imagine that Penn Gillette had a really, really bad case of the mumps. And actually, now that I think <laughs> about it, probably <laughs> had Ryan Styles' hair.
2: Why did you put that image in my head? I'm now going to be having nightmares for the next week and a half. Well, you no, Pinchelite, get away from me. Get your, I'm going to give you the Get your glands again. away from me. <laughs> get your mumpy glands away from me. <laughs> 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 anyway, let's get on with this show. We do read everybody's emails. We so. do read everybody's emails, and oftentimes we comment about them before we record the show. In
0: our passive-aggressive way.
2: Yes, yes, we do. So uh, let's get to some news. We have... Hang hey on, I was taking a
0: drink. Do, do, do,
2: do, 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 do. can't believe we've been recording this long already. Anyway, Napoleon Dynamite, the animated series. <gasps> Dark Horse heads to the comic shop so you can get some <gasps> exclusive digital comics. Or DC and Marvel drop their print comics to two ninety nine. dollars Spin that fabulous Wheel of Destiny and let's see where we land. It's a very short spin this week. Number three... DC and Marvel dropped their print comics to $299. two ninety nine. Now, officially, DC is the only one that's announced this, but everybody said at the ICV two Digital Comics Summit that Marvel also said they were dropping the uh, the print cost or the uh, cover cost of, of some of their print run to two ninety nine. Officially, um, from DC Comics, they say today's announcement, and this is from. Jim Lee and Dan DiDio. Today's announcement reaffirms DC's comics commitment to both our core fans, to comic book store retailers, and for long-term health of the industry, we're willing to take a financial financial risk so that readers who love our medium do not abandon the art form. Mm. Now, this uh goes into effect in January. As of January, here are the titles. Uh, standard length ongoing titles previously priced at three ninety nine for thirty two pages of twenty two pages of story will now be two ninety nine thirty two pages twenty pages of actual story content. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see how many of them do we read. American Vampire. Mm-hmm. I still no. get that. I guess I haven't really been reading it. That's Batman. Not no, that's not the Stephen King thing. I think you're thinking of yeah. In... American
0: Vampire is the Stephen King. He's he's uh, like producing
2: it. Oh, okay, all right. right. He's involved. He's not right. Batman: yet. The Dark Knight, yeah. Batman Incorporated, which hasn't even come out yet. Yeah. Green Lantern, Emerald Warriors, and JSA All Stars. Yeah. Uh, on January <laughs> the following licensed titles, previously priced at three ninety nine, will be at two ninety nine. Gears of War, God of War, Kane and Lynch, Ratchet and Clank. Ongoing previously priced 3 for 40 pages with 30 pages of stories that included the 22 pages with the 8-page backup will go to 2 99 with 32 pages, 20 stories of page, of story, 20 pages of story. Uh, the uh, co-feature being dropped from Action Comics, Adventure Comics, Batman Streets of Gotham, Detective Comics, Doc Savage, Justice League of America, Legion of Superheroes, and The Spirit. And then uh, there are five books that will stay at 3 99 Batman Europa, First Wave, DCU Legacies, Weird Worlds, World of Warcraft, Curse of the Worgen.
1: Worgen.
4: Worgen. Hero. World of Warcraft, Curse of the Worgen? That's part of the next release. I really Worgen. wish that they had, instead of Curse, they had to use the word Witchcraft, so it was World of Warcraft, Witchcraft of the Worgen. There you go.
0: That would be good. It could also be World of Warcraft, War of the Kurgan. Yeah. Yes,
2: there could be Which only be- one but in this case there can only be 2.99
0: 3.99. I've, so what does this mean to everybody? It's important. it's important. to look at the one thing we're seeing here. If let's say you're selling a book for 3.99, dropping yes. a buck is 25% essentially of that cover price. Yes. And on the 22 page titles dropping to 20, you're dropping by 25% in price, you're losing what? 11 10% uh, of your actual story, so you're still—I mean, there's still a net gain. You're paying less for less, but you're paying a larger percentage less than right. you're losing in terms of
2: story. And, and some well, people and, have really gone over the top, saying, "Oh my gosh, now we're paying more per page than we were before." Uh, no, you're not. You were paying three ninety-nine before for twenty-two pages of story—that's eighteen cents a page. Well, Whereas and, if you were paying two ninety-nine for twenty pages of story, that's only fifteen cents a page.
4: And and honestly, the A reduction of two pages. Right. The only thing that that taxes is the writers because the writers still have to get the same amount of story now into 20 pages rather than 22. Well, because they're not going to trail off just (laughs) randomly in the middle of a story, you know, that they wouldn't normally. But if, I don't know. And then at the beginning of the next story, a cliffhanger flip and, you know, a splash page. Oh, no, he is falling. Flip. Oh, wait, never mind. He's okay. Well, hopefully this, you
2: know, for the longest time, I guess it was a year, two years ago, I forget how long ago it was, DC Editorial had this policy that within the first three pages of the issue, you had to have a splash page. Regardless, Mm -hmm. every DC book had to have a splash page. Well, now you go to 20 pages of stories, you're not required to have a splash page anymore. Mm -hmm. Okay? So there's one page down. Now all we have to do is remove another page of story. Well, you know, in the case of some of these books that are are getting discounted or
4: getting uh, chopped, it may actually be Mm. a good thing. Honestly, uh, cramming, like, asking the writers to get the same amount of story into less space may turn out to, in general, be a good thing. Well, but here's the
2: thing. It's not that, you know, there's a lot of 299 books that are already 20 pages in length. I mean, all these other DC titles that haven't been mentioned. Mm
4: -hmm. They're already that way? yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, to me, I think it's a good thing in recognizing that, you know, hey, we priced ourselves in a, in, a, in a corner and now we have to get out of it in hopes of bringing the industry back up. And surprisingly, it comes a month after that August uh, sales figures where the most books sold was less than 100,000 in that mm. month. I haven't seen the September numbers. I'm thinking those come out on Monday. Uh, we know what the top 10 books are, but we just don't know what their, their numbers are. So it'll be interesting to see. Although I've heard that everything declined again by five percent, but we'll have to double check. It's hard that. to
0: say. And you know, Joe Quesada went on the record as saying, and I I hope he said it to us. But if he didn't, you know, he said it somewhere in the universe. Um, and the, the statement that I recall him saying is the three ninety nine price point is Marvel testing what the market will bear. Right. And the fact that they're you know at least willing to discuss it if DC does it first indicates to me that you know the market may not be able to bear all 399 titles Mm -hmm. i'll say this when i go through my books and i recently did a pull a pull list calling uh, a couple of fave raves went by the wayside i ended up dropping green lantern core and teen titans yeah for partly money and partly disappointment purposes but i started looking at first wave and doc savage and the spirit all at 399 and thinking you know am i getting four dollars worth of entertainment out of my mm-hmm. Doc Savage and my mm-hmm. first wave, so you know it it does factor into our decisions. Even if you're somebody like me, and I'm essentially probably a completist, I you know I don't cull books from my list until it's well past the point that I should have stopped spending.
2: Yeah, in the same way.
0: I'd, yeah, I I am now sitting in front of a twelve and a half foot stack of short boxes, so. You know, I, I am the guy I'm, I'm the guy that Holden McNeil is, is, you know, marketing to the overweight slash underweight guy who can't get any, this Mm -hmm. is the bread and butter. And when I'm looking at when I'm saying, you know, you know, I love the Avenger. I love the spirit. I love Doc Savage, but I can't necessarily get justify 50 bucks a year on Doc Savage. That's saying something. So I'm glad that even if they're going to be, you know, lowering that page count a bit, I'm glad that they're willing to look at ways to keep the price point lower. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it's 25% more comics in the long run sold.
2: Well, yeah, hopefully, because with every four comics you buy now, with this new price structure, you should be able to buy one additional comic with, with all the money that you're saving.
0: So and, you know, I, I have not a very affect Rodrigo at all. Right, I have a very um, simple formula for how much I spend on comics. I go into the store. I work X number of hours multiplied by X number of dollars. And that is how much money I can spend that week because my comic store money goes straight back to the comic store. So if I exceed that 35, 40, 80, whatever dollars it it may be, and I'm going to keep you in the dark, but let's just say I know what the legal minimum wage is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it exceeds that point, I'm going to say, you know what, i got to cut back. So, again, looking at the DC titles, I'm affected by this in, well, five, four places. I believe I may have dropped JSA All-Stars. So, you know, it's definitely yeah. something that mean it's meaningful change. We'll, well see how long it lasts.
2: Sure. What's also interesting is on the digital comics uh, front, kind of tying into another story uh, that we had on this list. You know, most digital comics now have been priced at a $1.99. Some of the day and date releases, they're still trying to price at the same price as the uh, as the cover. But Dark Horse came out and said, "Hey, you know what? We're going to price our digital comics at a dollar forty nine. And the way we're going to do that is we're going to bypass the middleman like Comixology and and iverse and and a PanelFly and create our own little. Each issue will be its own little app. Which I'm not a big fan of that because uh, then it just
4: that sounds clunky.
2: It is because now you've got your Dark Horse Comics scattered all over your iPad or your iPhone or whatever Mm -hmm. other device you have as opposed to being collected in one easy place. Right. But still they're trying to knock that price down by another 50 cents and they say that's how they can do it. So more Mm -hmm. power to them in in figuring out ways of trying to get more people to read comics at a cheaper price. Too bad we can't go down to the 75 cents an issue days. The dollar days, that would be awesome. Uh, Um, But remember what they were saying, they
0: were 75 cents an issue. How many were yes, they selling? I remember reading those comics, and they weren't all that great in many cases. Oh, I think seventy-five well, what, cents uh, a issue. No.
2: Crisis on Infinite Earth was like a buck twenty-five or something on the cover, or was that eighty yeah, cents? Yeah, books or something? were sixty at
0: that point. Yeah, so I believe I don't know. They started at sixty and switched to seventy-five. I will say this though, and you know, Stephen, this this is my way of and maybe possibly backhandedly admitting that you're not always wrong. What? I'm not always wrong. Who said that? Uh, Upgraded my uh, handset recently. My your phone handset. handset. Oh, your phone? Yeah. To uh, a Droid phone. Droid. With the Android market that has all these yes. these things and you know applications, and started looking at those applications, and I went, "Hey, I wonder if I could read comics digitally on my phone." That, wow, it might be nice to have my phone right here to where I could just read.
3: <laughs> no, I sound like steve <laughs>
2: Look, I just but enjoy, no, yeah. So you've read some digital comics on your Android?
0: I have, actually. I'm trying, I, I guess Comixology doesn't have an Android app yet. Not yet. But I have Let's found see. a couple of other applications and looked at some stuff. And, you know, I can definitely see the appeal of it. It doesn't force me to read panel to panel like I hate on your iPad. Right. So I can make my decisions and I can do my little scrolly, zoomy thing with my fingers and move around. So, yeah, you know, that excites me, too.
4: See, what would have been funny is if you started looking through, you know, what what they had available and it's like, "Oh, maybe maybe comics on my phone wouldn't be too bad. Yeah, digital comics. All right, back issues of Legends of the Dark Knight. <laughs> awesome.
1: Wait. <laughs> no! no. No.
4: Well, apparently, and
1: again, you know this uh,
2: pulling this out of my head, Apparently, the reason, part of the reason why they're, dropping, they're able to drop this price, number one, notice that they're not dropping the actual page count. They're dropping the actual story count, so they're getting two more pages of ads, which I don't know why, because most of the ads that they have in the comic books are house ads, mm-hmm. but they're also saying that the digital initiative has been so successful that that is helping offset the cost of the print co- copies. Nice. Very nice. So, I'm sorry, Matthew, what were you going to say?
0: You know What? What? batman, batman butt. but yeah okay
2: <laughs> all right you can find these stories and you can comment on all these stories all at much, majorspoilers. Much com. yeah speaking of much more this uh marks matthew's fourth year
0: writing at major spoilers i you know there are very few things that i've done for four years consecutively
2: well you've raised a kid you've stayed I married. done that
0: i've I've been married for fifteen years. See, I don't you think can, you can last. Well, I've, on some I've had things. two cars last me more than four years. I've had three jobs, um, In but four you years. know, yeah, it's pretty much it. And
2: then there's major spoilers.
0: Major
3: spoilers. So but I don't celebrate. think major
0: spoilers is like a job. Major spoilers <laughs> is like I think a wise woman sure. once said to me. <laughs> she said. You know, Sometimes you get a job and you use the job to have money to do the things you want to do, and sometimes you work for a mean, bald man that you've known for 25 years, and it's almost the same thing.
2: I was going to say, in order to, for it to qualify as a job, don't you have to get paid?
0: Yeah, well, Luthor dollars can, are considered oh, yeah, a form of go. payment. Yes. On Earth Q.
2: This, there you go. I think you also qualify for WIC on Earth Q as well. (laughs) Even with all the Luthor dollars I'm still paying you, you still qualify for WIC. Great.
1: But to celebrate
2: Matthew's uh, fourth year, Matthew is writing a, um, every day he's got a new retro review. Tell us about the reason why you picked the uh, titles that you did this week.
0: This week's retro reviews, um, and, and I'm, I'm leading up to something that may be good or it may be lame. But what I'm doing is I am looking specifically at books that were meaningful to me, and mm-hmm. books that you know I think that most people go, yeah, they're the and then when I'm done, I'm going to do a hero history of Dracula. <laughs> okay, so I got that going for me, which is nice.
2: Nice. All right. <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about the retro reviews besides going over and reading them?
0: You should totally go and read them. And if anyone finds the hidden theme, that person will win a coveted bronze block award—the major spoilers equivalent of a no prize. And by that, I mean it is no prize.
2: I'll give you the hint. The theme is
0: comics. Ha ha ha!
2: I hate you. Okay. <laughs> also, hey, don't forget, time is running out on the Major Spoilers Costume Contest. The date to get your entry in is uh, October 21st, I believe. 21st. Oh, Nine that time days. is coming up. Nine days.
4: Holy crap, you people better get on the ball.
0: That's right. Because we've right. got some big-ass prizes. Or interest.
4: inside the ball if you're going as Bouncing Boy.
0: <laughs> Aha! Or a hamster.
4: Actually,
2: somebody going as Bouncing Boy would be really cool. Get one of those giant, you know, balloons that they uh, those, those comedians like the always crawl inside. Oh, yeah. Oh, a sumo. I've got cool. one of those suits sitting around.
4: There you go. Just oh, make it yeah. blue and black and put a big belt on it. And, and you, yeah. you, know,
0: you need a friend with a wig who's willing to eat hammers? You'd go as Bouncing Boy and Matter Eater, lad.
2: <laughs> you can win an iPod Nano oh, and sweet. the collector's uh, JSA Starro figure. Uh, hard to get, impossible to get, sold out. I think it's the going for a couple hundred dollars up on eBay right now. So uh, you can, all you, you have can to use do is with
0: your Buona Beast figure to reenact horrible, horrible. Yeah, that things.
2: one. That one is also sold out, which I'm disappointed. I thought I had ordered that Buona Beast and mm. did not. So you can get both of these fabulous prizes if you are the first place winner. All you have to do is send in your your pictures of yourself dressed up as a comic book person or a pop culture person. Doesn't matter if it's anime or mag manga or a uh, Video game uh, character, no. or a DC Comics character, or Marvel. Heck, heck, no. heck we'll even accept somebody dressed as Red Sonia. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, you know, we don't discriminate. Aphrodite Nine would be another one. Yeah. Miss um, Marvel, <laughs> Spider Woman, uh, <laughs> Mika Tan. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. You can just dress up however you want, a lot and also send us, to pop culture. Yes, uh, you can Mohawk, even send us Storm. a picture of yourself outside of your costume, and street clothes so that we can confirm <coughs> that it's you. We will narrow it down to the top five, and then our listeners and our readers of the Majorspoilers.com website will vote on the winner, and we'll announce that somewhere around October 31st. Mm-hmm. Probably on the show, and then also on the website. So,
4: hurry up, get cracking! And by that, I don't I'm, mean yeah, to dress up I, I, as the Kraken. I was going to say, that's another good good idea. Yeah. Especially if it's the like,
1: Harryhausen Kraken. Yes, there you go. Okay, hang on, we'll not, be right back. Not
0: there. the Harry Hamlin Kraken, it's an entire <laughs>
1: How to get a Major Spoilers shout-out. If you want to get a personalized shout-out at the top of the show, all you have to do is the following steps. Number one, visit Majorspoilers.com. Two, click on the Make a Donation button. Three, donate $10 or more to the cause. Four, sit back and relax, and hear Matthew butcher your name and say something cute about you. Major Spoilers, bringing the good stuff since 20-06.
2: Yes, thank you and so much that. to That's everybody, including Andrew Irwin, for uh, contributing to the show this week, and uh, we appreciate it. I did get Crikey, a of, He's an angry one. <laughs> let's
0: poke him in the bum with a stick.
2: Didn't he do? Uh, uh, what is that? The underwater adventures. That submarine. Steve
0: Irwin did all sorts of things. Right? Oh, okay. my favorite was his crossover with the Wiggles.
2: Oh, okay, all right. You know, we were mentioning earlier that we do get emails and we do read all your emails, even the hateful ones, what? even the spiteful ones, even the ones that now, don't make any sense.
0: Now, now. Your mileage, which, no. as always, <laughs> may vary. Speaking of Remember, emails that don't make don't sense. Remember, you don't have to love us, but if you don't love us, F you. No. No.
2: <laughs> Vincent. Vincent wrote to us this week. He says, I've got a question for you guys. What do you guys do when you get a comic book that has the following? Number one, a minor rip to the cover. Number two, a minor fold in a page. Number three, discolorment. I'm not talking about making money. I'm talking about preventing further damage because we all know just a little ignored will often become a lot later on. So what do we do when you get a comic book that has a minor rip, a minor fold, or discolorment? Matthew.
0: Well, let's talk about when you get a comic book. There's... Three places, well, three ways for me to get a comic book. Brand new off the stands right? generally means there'll be a stack of them. Right. Since I am an employee of uh, Gatekeeper Hobbies, Huntune, and Topeka, ask us about my fifth anniversary there, <laughs> um, what I usually do with a, b- a damaged book like that is I'll get a better one, take the damaged one up to the front to be returned. Ah, okay. Because uh, in many cases, those can be returned for store credit. Um if it's something, let's say, let's say I'm looking for a Thunder Agents number nine. Thunder Agents number and nine. I, and I find a copy of Thunder Agents number nine with some, you know, some staining, some discoloration, some foxing. Um, if you don't know what foxing is, it's when you open the book and it looks like it has little mold spots, like the
1: book has like freckles. Those are mm. actual mold spots.
0: Right, but they're it's called foxing in oh, the okay. comic book terminology, Mister. Oh, okay. Game. If I see something like that. You know, it depends on what it is. If I'm looking for, you know, a vintage sixties comic at an affordable price, I may be looking for tears. I may be looking for stains. I may be looking for folded pages and damage because those are things that bring down the collector, the speculator value to the point where I might be able to get a good reading copy of, say, you know, adventure comics number 306. You know, in in many ways, when I see a book like that, for me, as mostly a reader, Mm -hmm. oftentimes it means that I may be able to try and, you know, make a deal and go, dude, this is not a 4.0 comic. You've got a great big tear here. You've got splitting into staples or you've got huge discoloration. This is a 3.0. Let's knock, you know, 10% off the price. Given the choice, if I have two identical books and I can afford either one, I'll always go for the one that's not damaged. But if I have one, let's say I bought one. Like, for instance, my Marvel Spotlight number five has a pretty sizable rip in the back cover. Mm-hmm. First appearance of Ghost Rider. The reason I got it cheap is because of the rip in the cover. You want to make sure that you are a never under any circumstances trying to tape or restore the comic. Right? Please, please let me let me entreat everyone listening: do not tape your comic books. Unless you, and unless you have a kid or something and you want to tape them to protect them, you put tape around the outside, don't try to repair damage like that. What you want to really want to do is bag them and board them in an appropriate size bag and board. And when you read them, if you read them, read them carefully and be aware of that damage. Be aware of that rip or that tear. Because if you try to tape it, <sighs> Tape The the tape is going to break down. The tape is eventually going to turn acidic. It's going to destroy the book. There's nothing more horrifying. We had a Mad Magazine number one come in a few months ago. 1950-odd something. Beautiful book. Wonderful-looking book. Probably a 5.0 copy of a 50-year-old book. But you know what? Some schmuck. Some yo-yo. Some Olympic-class... No, nothing. Bad person. Tape, Dummy, dumb. Taped the whole spine with packing. Tape. Oh, yay! And you can't. I mean, you can't take it off. You can't look at it. You can't open the book. It's just. I mean, it's horrifying. This would be. This book would probably be slab worthy. This would be worthy of sealing and you know keeping. And but somebody decided he was going to tape his spine back together. It's just. It's horrifying. So. I guess the long answer is if you if you have a rip, if you have a fold, you can work around it. Discoloration is something that's going to happen to old newsprint books. So you can avoid it as best you can. I recommend if you have a book that's old and valuable, you may want to, and this is going to sound silly, you may want to wear gloves while handling it. Yeah.
2: Well, Vincent they doesn't... Make just I mean, the white gloves. He doesn't say... I guess, uh, Matthew, you're assuming that he's talking about older comic books. Um, I am
0: because... New comics don't really have, for like the last 10 years, they don't have paper that allows for any discoloration.
2: Well, not discoloration, but I'm talking about even even if you go and you get a new book and you Mm -hmm. open it up. And I've had this happen a couple of times where I'll get a book and I'll get to a page and it's like like, a page comes off. Yeah, the corner folds is like folded. Oh, and it was that way as a printer error or Or a um, miscut. Brian G. had had an issue of uh, Batman Beyond. I think is what it was, or or Batman, Superman, Superman, Batman, where it had all these red ink stains running through the issue. Mm -hmm. And so they were getting to the end
1: of the roll of paper.
2: Yeah. So he just took that back and exchanged it. And sometimes I'll get a comic book that I'll open it up and I'm like, oh, man, look, there's a little tear back there that I didn't notice. Or, hey, somebody sold me a comic book that had a little watermark. Somebody, you know, rain or something got on the cover Mm -hmm. and, you know, wrinkled it up a little bit. You know, if it's a new comic, if it's a comic that you just went down to the store and bought Thursday and it's got a little tear or page fold on it, unless it's impeding your ability to enjoy that comic, really it doesn't matter because those comics are not going to be worth jack at any time <laughs> in the near future. Yeah. So don't don't try to say, oh, I need to protect this, this comic book because 20 years from
4: now I'll be able to pay for my college tuition. You're well, not. No, but definitely 20 years from now you might want to read it again. Oh, you might. Sure.
1: Right. And even you know, then, really no, there's no
4: problem putting it in a in
2: a bag and board mm-hmm. that way. But still, I mean, it's for reading value. At some point, I just assume that all the comics are going dis, to dis, uh, disintegrate if you're going to continually read them. Mm-hmm.
0: That's so. true. What's really terrible is from from the point of view of someone who grades comics regularly and is forced to grade at the professional scale. Yes. If you get a book where the page folded under, and you get that that tearing, or you get that weird miss folded cover or the printer error. I had a miscut comic where the book was slightly off, so Mm -hmm. it wasn't square, it was rhombus, but -hmm. it was really subtle to where you didn't see it. All of those printer errors are considered flaws and defects to the book, even if the book itself is otherwise near mint. Mm -hmm. So if the book is a, a perfect copy, but it's miscut or mistrimmed by the printer, then that actually knocks down the grade for professional grading purposes. Yeah. So if some guy in, in in Canada gets drunk and miscuts your comic book, my friends, that can cost you money down the line. Not a lot because your comic books are worthless. But I think it's important to remember that mine aren't. <laughs> so I guess and it just depends, you know, Vincent,
2: the- on, on what you're talking about as far as yeah. what you're, what kind of comic books you're talking about, whether you're talking exactly. about the, the 1973 issue of The Flash Or whether you're talking about, you know, a a 2010 version of Red Sonja number 52.
0: And I'll say this, you know, there's nothing. One of my favorite comics is um, it's uh, Legion of Superheroes volume four, number 12. It's the Tenzel Kim, the first Matter Eater Lad solo story. It's my copy that I bought off the stands and it has on the cover a little bit of chocolate milk from when I was drinking in college <laughs> and got, uh, we used to drink Florida Yoohoo spritzers. You take vodka and grapefruit juice and Yoohoo and God, it's awful. Nasty. Yeah, it is. It's disgusting, but it was really, really potent and knock you on your butt. I spilled a little bit of that on my legion and there's a, a visible, you know, chocolate water stain. I love that book. I, you know, that book to me has history. It has backstory. That's one of my books and will always be my book. And I'll remember room 227 of Agnew Hall, which is now gone, I might add, (laughs) and how that happened. So, you know, the discoloration, the damage doesn't necessarily have to lessen your enjoyment of the book. If it's something you're worried about, you know, you can always get a different copy. In many cases, uh, stores are willing to work with you. I won't promise that they'll allow you to return it, But it's worth at least checking.
2: Sure. And if you're going for any kind of investment, as Matthew said, if you're going for an investment, maybe you buy a real crappy copy for your reader copy so that mm -hmm. you can say, hey, I've owned and read Amazing Fantasy number 15. But then maybe you've Mm -hmm. also got a nice slab 9.0 somewhere that you said, hey, look, I spent a million dollars on this Amazing Fantasy 15.
0: (laughs) If you have a slabbed Amazing Fantasy 15 at (laughs) 9.0, you, my friend, Oi. Yeah, I don't even want to think about
2: that. Might want to contact So, thank you, Vincent,
0: for that email. I want to get my picture taken with that. Yeah, definitely. And also with China.
2: (laughs) All of China in one shot? No, China. Oh, oh, China the wrestler. Joni Laure, the wrestler. (laughs) Okay, all right. Thank you for your email, Vincent. And if you have any questions or comments about the comic book industry or how how, uh, we do things or just a comment in general, just fire it uh, over to us at podcast at majorspoilers.com. So this is a retro review week for Matthew. Retro
0: review.
2: And I think Rodrigo also has a book that's a little older than what we normally review on the show. Yep. So let's go in order from oldest tomb to the newest. Shall we do that?
1: Stephen, go. You're the well, oldest. Aha! <laughs> Matthew.
2: Bedazzle us. <laughs> Bedazzle us with uh with some retro uh comic book treasures. Yes.
0: Many, many years ago. A company named National Periodical Publications started printing comic books. And their first comic book hero to become successful, who the hell am I talking like? I think it's James Mason. Anyway, (laughs) was, of course, Superman. Years and years and years passed. And at some point, there was a place called the 1970s. For those of you who don't remember it, it's okay. You didn't miss much. Are you kidding? The 70s 70s was awesome. The seventies were rife with moments for comic fans. And one of the things that happened in the seventies was comics hit, uh, you know, a period where they were once again cool and comics went through a point where they experimented with different sizes and different uh, printing styles and all sorts of different things. And one of those was, of course, the tabloid size giant issue.
2: Yeah, those are awesome.
0: These things, yeah, they're like 13 inches across by 20-some-odd inches tall. Amazing giant books. If you ever get them, I say, if you ever see them, just pick them up. They were 250 when comics were $0.40. Cents. That ought to tell you something. But one of the greatest tabloids of all time, one of the books that changed my life, is The Legion of Superheroes Wedding Issue. So this week I'm not going to review that, but I am going to talk about Superman <laughs> versus Muhammad Ali. Wait a minute. Superman can't fight
2: Muhammad Ali. He'd kill him in one punch. Oh.
0: Oh, but yes, he can. Superman, Superman versus Superman's got these Muhammad powers? Ali. This is one of the holy grails of my, I have a whole box and it's, it is actually labeled WTF. And that's where I keep my copy of Skate Man number one. And that's where I keep my complete Fruit Man from Charlton Comics. Yes. And in the WTF box is Superman versus Muhammad Ali. At the time, Muhammad Ali was either the world champion or just stopped being the world champion. I don't know much. This came out in 77. I was six years old. But Superman and Muhammad Ali have a fight. Why? Now, this is the thing. Here's the thing. I say this to you. I say Superman and Muhammad Ali have a fight. Mm -hmm. And you immediately think, what in the world? This is going to be terrible, Right. Mm -hmm. This is going to be awful. This is going to be like the new kids on the block. It's really, really stunning. The art and the story are by Neil Adams. If you're not familiar with Neil, trust me, Neil was kind of like the Jim Lee of his day. He did cover after cover after cover, putting a Neil Adams cover could sell the worst art in the interior. Neil Adams was actually Neil Adams was Jim Lee and George Perez and a little bit of John Byrne all rolled up into one. And he's like, a really really amazing artists so this story starts in metropolis as clark and lois and jimmy walk around and do that thing that they do but they run into muhammad ali who is at the time the champion and an alien shows up and the alien punches muhammad ali and muhammad ali says y'all in trouble and punches him <laughs> and the alien flies across the room it's awesome Muhammad Ali punches the alien so hard he falls off his flying craft. Really? But the alien's boss, yes, is this, I, I'm not sure if he's a gambler or a warlord or what, but he decides that someone must represent Earth in his fighting ground. And so what happened is, in order to save the Earth from this alien incursion, two of the mightiest fighters in the world, Superman and Muhammad Ali, must go and fight one another. Okay. To see who to, to see who is going to be Earth's champion. Yeah, they're the semifinals. Exactly. So, of course, Ali starts pulling cutting a promo on Superman and it's wonderful. He's like, I'm not just gonna box ya, I'm gonna whoop ya. And of course, they go out into space, and Superman's boss, who at the time is Morgan Edge of the Galaxy Communications Corporation, decides that they're gonna air this on every network all over the world. And there's some really amazing stuff, some really great art and some bits where Ali is teaching Superman how to box. It's amazing because it reads just like Muhammad Ali talked or talks. I guess he's still alive, isn't he?
2: Mm -hmm. Yes, he is.
0: So it's I mean, it's really well done for a celebrity cameo. And of course, they fight. But the trick is it takes place under a red sun. Ah, there you go. So Clark Kent is perfectly human. So they fight and they fight and they fight and fight and fight. Uh, I'm not sure which one is itchy and which one is scratchy. Uh, Muhammad Ali does have a big sweater on, so he may be itchy.
3: <laughs>
0: but And just, just page after page of these beautiful aerial landscapes and space shots and aliens around the globe watching to see what will happen with bated breath. And somehow Jimmy Olsen in his 1976 leisure suit, gets to broadcast this to the entire galaxy. And the preliminary fight, of course, they come out, and they fight, and they fight. And Superman is completely outclassed by a professional boxer, but he refuses to give up. And Ali just walks away and stops fighting and lets Superman fall down. Superman collapses, and then people try to run in, and Ali ends up trying to fight them off to protect Superman. It's a really, really interesting scene. If you've ever seen any boxing movie, it's kind of like that. It's really neat. And then, of course, we find out that Ali has then won the right to fight this incredible alien creature, and that fight is that fight. And it ends with something that I do believe is in continuity on some Earth. When Muhammad Ali explains to Superman... That he knew what was going on the whole time, and he figured out early on that this whole thing was a scam. Isn't that right, Clark Kent? What? Wow. Muhammad Ali? Ali, Ali figured out that Superman was Clark Kent by watching him interact with Lois and Jimmy and watching what happened. Huh. So while Ali is fighting the alien, Superman is fighting the alien armada with his full powers, and of course Earth is spared and they all go home. And the last page is this huge two page spread, and I do mean huge, of Ali shaking Superman's hand and saying, We are the greatest. And I can just hear the music da 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 whatever appropriate music there would be that won't get us super <laughs>
2: even those Muhammad Ali kicks Superman's butt.
0: Exactly. Muhammad Ali kicks Superman's butt. That right there is what makes this a good comic for me because I've always believed in the Mark Wade theory. Of writing a story, which is the specialist rule applies. Who's faster, Superman or the Flash? The Flash. Obviously, because the Flash is a speedster, Superman is a guy who has a lot of powers, including super speed. So Muhammad Ali, being a trained fighter, given even odds, should win the battle with Superman, who is not a trained fighter. Superman punches things and blocks things with his chest, and, you know, he does stupid things. You know, the guy will fire seven bullets into his chest, and then he'll duck the gun. We don't know why this (laughs) happens. But this issue, this is a book that I remember briefly reading at my cousin Elwood's house when I was a kid. Elwood had all the good comics. One of these days, I'm going to get to the one with uh, the Star Wars thing that had the green rabbit for a Jedi.
2: Oh, that's awesome. Jax or whatever his name is? yeah Yeah, jackson
0: he's coming folks watch the hero histories go he's coming (laughs) but i love this issue i love the way it reminds me of growing up and my grandmother's red couch with the plastic on it and the day that elvis died and how i heard it on the little transistor radio that looked like a muppet face with the little silver dials it reminds me of being a kid if you weren't a kid in the 70s you can still enjoy this because it's it's over the top. It's fun. It's everything that's fun about comic books. And if you And were, it does it in a really
2: And if you were alive in the seventies, uh yeah. you would probably fall in love with this wraparound cover.
0: Oh, the cover's amazing. The There's cover is Betty, Betty and Gerald Ford. Celebrity.
2: There's yeah. the Ozma, Donnie and Marie. Yeah. There's Pele uh,
0: Pele is in the foreground on the left. I like looking oh, through it. But the yellow shirt. Um, yeah.
2: There's uh, David Griffin.
0: Uh, Right next to Share is Pele, if you look, like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. in, the f- in the foreground of the main thing, you can see Jimmy Carter yes, and, Batman and Batman and Lex, Lex Luthor. Luther. Who's
2: the, who's the woman understand. on the corner? Is that, uh, is that I, uh, Sonny Bono? Maybe front of, Carter. Is that Sonny Bono in front of uh, Batman?
0: I don't know. Let's see. Um, on the inside cover, there is number 169 There's is indeed
2: Jackson. Sonny Bono. There's the Jackson Five back there. Yeah. Is that Alfred E. Newman down in the front row, ringside? Down in the front row,
0: ringside. Let's look. That is indeed Alfred E. Newman. And is that Clark Alfred Kent? E. Newman is right underneath Raquel Welch?
2: Is that uh, Clark Kent over there by Perry White, underneath the uh, Muhammad Ali's, right next to Batman's ear? Who's that? Boy, I hope
0: not, um, <laughs> because that would be. Weird. I
2: know, but it looks like Clark Kent.
0: That's actually Christopher Reeve according to the oh, Insight okay. cover. Well, there you go. But yeah, this is a book that it's a, it's a piece of history and it's one of those pieces of history that I don't think anybody who really wants to call themselves a comics historian and I know that not everybody does, but I don't think anybody that wants to call themselves a comics historian should go without reading this book, even if you just read it and, you know, forget it or you borrow a copy. Because this is really fun. And for me, it's fu- the full five slices of meatloaf. If only for hearing Muhammad Ali's voice, or I'm going to be honest with you, hearing Will Smith as Muhammad Ali <laughs> on yeah. every page. Cause that's the way my brain works now. That, you know, just the moment where Ali punches out the first alien and Superman then, you know, shows up. I love this. This is a book that's fun. And it's, you know, it's one of the reasons why you read comics is. To see Superman get his his face whooped by Muhammad Ali.
2: That's pretty cool. Pretty cool indeed. Thanks for that trip down uh, memory lane there, Matthew. It's
1: definitely a trip.
2: And let's take another trip uh, down memory lane to a more recent time period back in April, I believe. Yep. X-Men Origins, Nightcrawler, One Shot, The Colon Wars. That's right.
4: Colon, 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 colon. Nightcrawler's colon wars. <laughs> which does take you back to the way, way back days of when long, Nightcrawler long first, yes, the long, long ago, when Nightcrawler first joined the X-Men. This this is uh, Nightcrawler's, a retelling s- of Nightcrawler's origin story, as seen in like three panels of the uh, second Genesis comic. um, But much more expanded and, and a little bit revamped. Um... It's very nice. The the art is pretty spectacular and it's it's interesting because I didn't realize and I think I know the reason for this, uh, that it has two different pencilers, Um, Carrie Nord on the first half of it, basically, and James Heron on the second. And they look very similar, and I think part of that is actually the color. The mm. color is actually very uh very consistent throughout. And mm-hmm. it has this kind of dreamy soft quality to it it's very nice um the story itself kind of dwells or goes into um, Nightcrawler's surrogate family in the circus and you kind of find out who the bad men are chasing him when you first see him back in Giant Size Mm X-Men um but pretty much the story ends right when right where Giant Size X-Men picks up Nightcrawler's story oh cool um, I like the design for the character. is very ins- it's very influenced by the Ultimate Nightcrawler. Mm-hmm. You know that has like the constantly glowing eyes. Right. He doesn't have like smoke coming out of his mouth or anything, but mm-hmm. it's very similar. I like that. It's it's cool. Um, it shows you the first time that Nightcrawler learns to teleport. You know, at first he doesn't realize that he can do it. Right. And things like that. Um, it shows you. Really and and really the, the, the choice parts are his interaction with his uh foster mother as it were. Um they're very sweet and you know, she does everything she can to help him escape and everything. Right. So it's it's pretty nice and it sticks pretty much completely to what we know of Nightcrawler with the slight addition, really retcon of where he gets the name Kurt Wagner or Kurt Wagner, I guess.
0: Wagner.
4: Wagner. Um, Wagner. Wagner is the name of a priest who basically takes him <laughs> in after he escapes from the freak show, mm-hmm. um, and it also kind of hints as to why Nightcrawler eventually becomes a priest in the main continuity of the X Men. Mm, okay, it
0: hints. It hints at the fact that uh, Chuck Austin is a terrible writer. Well, it does. Sorry, I that suppose. was that was a cheap shot.
4: Um. I mean, I've, I've personally, I've, I've always thought that it was just kind of, I don't know. It's not a cliche, but it's, it's like, it's like the next step from a cliche. It's Mm -hmm. like when you are, when, when the playing against type is so obvious, it's like, oh, Nightcrawler looks like a demon, but he is a priest, right? you know, who actually punches people in the face a lot. Um... (laughs) you know hence like that's that's the discrepancy i find is that it's hard it's gotta be pretty hard to be an x-men and a priest right not a mutant and a priest right, that's right. not hard right um but anyway um like i said the art is pretty good and um a lot of these retellings i feel sometimes try to like fit in extra things or try to swerve you mm-hmm. and add these like crazy things to the people's backstories or try to make you feel a different way about the character than the the mainstream character makes you feel right like more sympathy for Deadpool or you know something like that this one it's just pretty straightforward I've always liked Nightcrawler and this book is just a lot of love for Nightcrawler so I'm gonna give it four slices of meatloaf we'll say four and a half it's actually really solid and if you like Nightcrawler I would recommend that you go out and find this book because it's got some great Nightcrawler Nightcrawler flipping around action. It's got some great dialogue that isn't uh too over the top. Because a lot of the times Nightcrawler is written as like way too nice and way too right, tame right, right. and way too German. Right. Right. And this is pretty pretty straightforward and I think he only says mein Gott
2: once. Well that's pretty good. Yeah. That's what I always remember him saying all the time.
4: Yeah. Um I think I've talked about this before, how um my old roommate from college said that the hardest word in English must, to say must be yes, because uh, Colossus always says da, and uh, <laughs> Nightcrawler always says ya, yeah, when he talks to people. And no yeah. is the second hardest, probably. Yeah. But, yeah, I give this a high, high level of meatloaf. Wow. A five,
2: a 4.5. Mm-hmm. wonder what'll happen as I uh, pick up this week's issue. Drop the forward.
5: Average. Yeah.
2: Red Sonia, she devil with a sword, <laughs> number fifty-two from Dynamite Entertainment. Now, first of all, I want to talk about this particular cover right here on the cover. Pretty, pretty good cover. When I first saw this, I was like, "Well, that's a little different for Alex Ross because, or not Alex Ross for um, Adam Hughes mm-hmm. because she'd usually be in a in a little bit different pose than she is." But it looked a lot like Adam Hughes, and then I found out that the covers by uh, Paul Renault, mm-hmm. Renaud, R-E-N-A-U-D, mm-hmm. uh, ships fifty percent. It is a fantastic cover featuring uh sonya uh in a pile of money wearing her classic uh chainmail chain mail bikini, bikini with a giant snake about to t- attack her great lighting great everything on that cover
4: unfortunately is that is that a snake James Earl Jones in disguise. Yeah, no, I, I
2: don't know. It's, it, we never find out. This is uh, okay. this is a classic example of the bait cover and cover misleading you of what's on the inside. Because as soon as you go into the art on the inside, and again, nothing against the art by Walter uh, uh, Gio, Giovanni, but uh, I'm immediately taken by this uh, three quarter splash page mm-hmm. panel of Red Sonja in her classic chainmail bikini bottom, mm-hmm. but wearing a chainmail sweater. Sure
4: kind of thing yeah yeah
2: like a whole shirt no a bikini shirt. anything like that and she wears that throughout the entire issue so there's no uh question about things popping out at inappropriate times
4: i think they are trying to appeal to the uh female no to the readers from the 80s cuz they equate that look with flash dance <laughs> she's she's basically wearing underwear and a big sw- and a big floppy yeah. sweater so apparently
0: what's yes, going on... Does she on, have
2: chainmail leg warmers? No, she does not. Uh, well, she's then she's some,
0: not a maniac on the floor, sir.
2: She's got some leather uh, boot things going on and a thigh strap, but that's about it. But uh, beyond what, what Sonya's wearing, which I just, I'm just i puzzled by, uh, apparently they're in the land of Shem, uh, or in the city-state of Shem, and it's about to be attacked on all sides by uh, the armies I of Argos. I think that's near the Hope. land of
0: Curly, isn't it?
2: Yes. There's also Stygians lurking in the darkness. And um, this is actually part two of, I don't know how many, probably a six-part uh, series. Uh, Red Sonia, and she's actually joined by like four or five men on her team, which I think is a great addition, because here she's this leader of what looks to be this group of people from all across mm. the lands, which I like that concept a oh, lot. Oh, yeah, definitely. Unfortunately, a lot of these characters don't get a lot of play. There's one character that looks very... Um, I don't know. We could say he looks French or he looks uh, um, like maybe he's from England, but he kind of is a fancy, a fancy boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the only one that gets a little playtime in this. Really, issue.
4: England and like the Hyborian.
2: Well, look, I mean, age. and that's the thing. A lot of the clothing in here does not match up with the Hyborian age. There's one guy that looks like he's a bit um, Asian influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a guy that looks like he's Norse influence, which would kind of fit with some of the things that we've seen in Conan uh, before. Yeah. But they look from from uh, spread from across the lands, and even, in fact, what the uh, soldiers that are attacking them look like, they don't look like an ancient time clothing.
4: Yeah, they, they really look like, uh, definitely, like Dark Ages. Yeah, and so uh, Sonya basically tells the soldiers that
2: they disarm in the bar, essentially saying, hey, you know what? You ought to hire us to train you because you guys are going to get your asses kicked when uh, any of these uh, armies attack. And so they go before before the king, convince the king to uh, to hire them. And he immediately says, fine, I'll hire you, uh, train my men, but you also have to go out on a couple of scouting missions. And so they split up and Sonya and one of her guys and the uh, head of the guard all travel and they find this huge, massive army mounting ready to come into the city. Meanwhile, the other team has stayed behind to train some of the soldiers when they hear of another approaching army and they go running off and by the time Red Sonia comes back to tell the king, finds out that the fancy dandy man has had his head cut off along with all the other soldiers with a message stuffed in his mouth essentially saying, uh, king, surrender and whoever is training your soldiers also needs to surrender now. And that's kind of where the issue ends. <laughs> there's some good action. Uh, I think there's some... Uh, the... Characters that are around Red Sonia throughout her mission, you get a lot of good character development. You find out that the the leader of the guard is really a hothead. He doesn't follow direction. He doesn't follow orders. You find out that uh, uh, her second-in-command that's following her around is very faithful to a fault. Uh, You also learn a little bit about these armies advancing on all sides, which is very cool. But the guy that gets killed... He's got a lot of talking lines but there's no character development. He's almost like they're going, "Okay, I've trained you men. Oh, sir, we hear that there's troops mounting. Fine, we shall go meet them. You five, come with me." Mm-hmm. And that's it. Really, I mean there's really no character development for that. Um the art is fine. Uh, there's some good chop uh, head heads getting chopped off. Uh, there's a little bit of blood. I mean it's not too over the top. Uh but Red Sonia in a chainmail sweater mm. doesn't sit sit well with me. Gotcha. Um, the issue is just okay. I think people, if you haven't read the first issue of this, of this arc, you could step into this without a problem. Uh, overall, it's just kind of a so-so issue for me. I'm giving it two and a half slices of meatloaf out of five. Mm. So that is out this week from Dynamite Entertainment. And I've read a lot of books from Dynamite this week that, that are coming out. Uh, some good ones and and Red Sonia. So uh, there you have it. And you can find more reviews that, over at the Major website.
0: Three slice of meatloaf review. That's awesome.
2: Yeah, I think so. And, and two and a half isn't bad. I mean, it's middle of the road. It's one of those take it or leave it kind of uh, kind of books. Um, but yeah, I mean, a fantastic cover. I'd like to see that as a as a poster. Not only a poster, but I'd like to see the original art for that, the uncolored art, because mm-hmm. I think that would look really really cool hanging on my wall above my bed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the reviews are <laughs> now it's creepy. A step too <laughs> and now that the reviews are done, it is time for the
1: pow. It's time.
0: Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's time. We at Major Spoilers know that you have many options for your entire web browsing, and we thank you for choosing us. But now it's time for well, the millions in attendance and the thousands who've actually been Batman villains in the previous 10 movies. I do believe that there was one that had seven villains in it. Didn't Batman and friends have like Mr. Freeze and poison Ivy and Bane and yes, Mr. Yes, Josh and, yes. and the Punny I don't the think Penny had plunderer and I the Joker and the Riddler and, and the uh, Vulture. The, the Fox yes. And, and the, the Million
4: Craven the hunter. The yes. Doc Ock.
0: And the Inferior Five and the Iron Fist and Prince Doc Ock. The, the, and, and uh, the Reckon Kraken
2: had the Kraken in there. Mm-hmm.
0: Velasco and uh, um, I want to say John Locke. <laughs> um, and Dexter the Serial Killer and Namor the Submariner. and uh, Anyway, it's time. <laughs> Have I mentioned how much I love this job? Four years on, and it's still <laughs> fun to say it's time. With the shooting location being announced for the next Batman film. And I kind of like the idea of the Dark Knight in New Orleans myself. I, I think it'd be great that. if the if the Dark Knight talked like Justin Wilson. I Woo, yeah,
3: i won't I won't give that Joker the
0: beating like he ain't never forget. But you first, I'm going to have me just a no, little bit no, of that no. wine. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I think we may have shot past our age range. Rodrigo doesn't know who Justin Wilson is.
0: He was the Cajun cook, Rodrigo. You should go on the YouTube. It's time. <laughs> With a new Batman film shooting in New Orleans gearing up in April, who will be the slash villains? Stephen, go!
2: It's the poll of the week.
0: week, 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 week,
1: week, 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 week,
2: a lot of people are, are just running rampant. I mean, the scripts aren't even essentially done yet, and people are already saying, well, who's, who's going to be the villain? I mean, people were talking two years ago mm-hmm. that Eddie Murphy had already been cast as the Riddler. Nice. And then, uh, of course, uh, before the Dark Knight movie came out, uh, they had um, Philip Seymour Hoffman as Penguin, which actually right. wouldn't be bad, I, mm. I think, in that role. Be
0: kind of so fun, actually.
2: this, year we're, uh, this uh, week, we're asking you to speculate just a little bit or cast your wish- Throw your coins in the fountain. And who would be the best villain for the next Batman movie? Now, just because they're shooting in New Orleans doesn't mean that everything's taking place in the South or that Gotham City mysteriously plopped from one place to another. Although, Mm -hmm. it would make a little sense, unless Chicago got greedy, that if you're shooting in New Orleans, that a swamp might play a bit of a role Mm -hmm. in this. And let's face it, outside of Gotham are swamps, Mm -hmm. right? So, Slaughter swamp. Slaughter swamp, the home of two characters, Killer Croc and Solomon Grundy. Mm-hmm. And some people are speculating just off the fact that uh, that it's taking place in a swamp, that the villain has to be Killer Croc.
4: Mm-hmm. Has to be. Has to be. Has
2: to be. Now, I was kind of hoping to go last on this one, but Matthew forced my hand.
4: I'm <laughs> saying that the
2: villain I would personally go with in this one, although I'll, in one of our reader responses... Kind of, it'll negate my uh, my tale here. But I say Solomon Grundy mm-hmm. with not two villains, but two heroes in this movie:
4: mm-hmm.
2: Batman and Swamp Thing, and Solomon Grundy. So you're you're tapping Ooh. into your you're tapping into your um, supernatural aspect into it. You're semi tapping into the zombie nature mm-hmm. of this. That's that's my pick. Solomon Grundy. What do you think of that, Matthew?
0: I think that that's an answer. All right. And of all the answers I've ever heard, that's certainly one. Who did you pick? Well, I started thinking about it. I know that it's it's pretty much standard to have two villains. I guess. And I started thinking about, you know, I wasn't thinking about the New Orleans, the swamp. I was thinking about, you know what two villains do I really think would be fun interacting with Batman? And I know they can't use Lex Luthor. Right. But it would be kind of neat. And then I started thinking about, you know, what characters would I really, really enjoy seeing, you know, Batman fight against? So for me, it's actually a combination of uh, two people. I voted for Biff Tannen (laughs) and uh, Verbal from uh, The Usual Suspects. So I'm going to see Tom Wilson and Kevin Spacey uh, going up against the bat, the the Batman. Can't you just see it? Hello, Wayne. Are you in there? You know, I think it'd be <laughs> awesome. But, but if you had to
2: if you had to choose from one of the people on this list, who would you choose? Oh, I didn't
0: like that list. Um, <laughs> I'm not a Batman fan, and I'm going to tell you the honest answer for me is I don't really care as long as the movie is you know as interesting as Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. Uh Of the ones listed, I chose Solomon Grundy simply because I think Grundy is something that we haven't seen half right. a dozen times before. I think that Catwoman, Catwoman is good, but Catwoman would bring with it that inevitable, you know, Love. romantic subplot. Exciting I feel like both new. both the Penguin and the Riddler are tied to Danny DeVito and Jim Carrey. Respectively. Right. And I feel like their, their stock is still a little low in terms of Batman, you know, movies. So I'm not sure I'd want to see that. Although Penguin and the Riddler working together might be interesting. Just as long as, you know, they actually show us the Riddler. Right. Because I've, I've said it before. The best Riddler por- portrayal in any movie ever is uh, Jack Nicholson's Joker from the 1989 Batman film.
2: Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
0: Whereas, you know, what's his face did a pretty pretty sizable joker. But anyway, I chose Grundy. Grundy Smash.
2: All right. Two two for Grundy. Rodrigo over to you. Um
4: for the tiebreaker. <laughs> <laughs> for the tiebreaker. <laughs> um that's not how things work. What? <laughs> uh, I chose the Riddler. Why? Well, I'll tell you why, because I'm about to pitch my third Batman story script. You ready? Yes. Okay. So, in Gotham City, there's some big party, probably Halloween. Yes. Gotham seems like, like a big Halloween. Like like, a, like a, and it's a, a very is it long, a very long Halloween. It is oh, a long okay. Halloween, uh-huh. right?
1: Yeah.
4: Um, and there is like
0: how long is it? A very
4: <laughs> it, there is a very high high profile murder with like some some very specific things going on. It doesn't actually matter at that point what it is. Um. And Batman is like, mm, I must investigate this. Later on in some other city that has a big holiday tied to it, something else happens that is very Like a St. Patrick's Day. Like kind of a St. Patrick's Day oh, thing happening or in Boston. Day. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. And then Mardi Gras starts to roll around oh. and Batman says, I must go to New Orleans where Because I've this, got a whole bunch of beads
2: that I'm just dying where, to give away.
4: That's right. <laughs> where this calendar Killer will strike next. So enter the Riddler, who is a v- crazy, first right, off. Right. A better detective than Batman mm-hmm. knows who Batman is, because he's figured it out. Right. And knows who the calendar killer is, but he wants to play with Batman. Mm-hmm. Batman can't beat him up because he knows right. who he is and who the other guy is, so he needs to get that information. Ah. So the Riddler leaves clues as to who Calendar is. Ah, okay. And that is that movie. And that is why the Riddler would be the highest profile guy because you wouldn't find out that Calendar is Kevin Spacey up until like the middle of the third act, right? Um, But because the entire time he's in
2: shadows, that's right. Okay, Um, keeps shaving his finger finger fingerprints off.
4: Yep. What's
3: what's in the box?
4: (laughs) It's Robin's head. (laughs) Um, Chris O'Donnell, what are you doing here? Anyway. Um. Yes, I would have the Riddler as a more high-profile one, mm-hmm. and then obviously some very surprising cameo, possibly Michael Keaton as Calendar. Oh, that'd be pretty cool. Wouldn't that be he can awesome? actually
2: play some very spooky, mm-hmm. spooky characters, and that would be pretty cool. Um. Yeah, it seems you're so that's you're doing pitch. a couple of things. You're pulling off, obviously, out of the uh, the long Halloween mm-hmm. uh, storyline and the follow-up to that, which a lot of those scenes did appear in uh, Dark Knight. That's right. And some elements kind of appeared a little bit here and there in, in Batman Begins. Oh, yeah, Dark so Knight a and to, Begins. There's precedent to pull from from those source materials, mm-hmm.
4: and 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 to repurpose it as well. Right. Because right. you know the I mean the you've Joker. Already paid, you've already paid the uh, creators once. You don't need to pay them again. Well, yeah, I mean, the Joker was kind of an afterthought in the Long Halloween, but mm-hmm. there are very important scenes in the Dark Knight involving the Joker that are straight out of the Long Halloween. Right. Right. I I like what Maximus Rift said because it pretty much negates
2: any chance of Solomon Grundy going in, and it Mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense for a Christopher Nolan film. I both believe the Riddler will be Nolan's chosen villain and personally want him to be in the picture. Uh, To those that feel the Riddler can't fight Batman, I feel the need to remind everyone that this isn't DC continuity. We could be looking at a version of Riddler that can match bats at combat as well. That's why he goes for that. Um, Somebody else said okay is it uh yeah bring rocket. back jim K- oh wait what eisenstonic rocket uh he went v- uh riddler personally he's one of my favorite batman villains i definitely think nolan could do some awesome mind effing stuff involving the character um let's see somebody else said uh, uh, i I've dar ivdar 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 I voted Dar, Batman on the fact it's, it's that Chris Nolan would be directing, which people. means I had to go with the Riddler. Nigma is the best fit for the Nolan verse by far. Rather than a joke criminal with a gimmick, I expect Nolan's Riddler to be a cunning mastermind as Nolan is a very a cerebral director. It also provides a good opportunity to confront Batman with his own issues as the Riddles could make him second-guess himself and bring him to self-reflection. Maybe Zen... What? Cones. Go, cones from the Riddler, who knows? Uh, and so I think that... I I don't I don't see Nolan going too far into the trippy trippy supernatural part of it. Oh, Although yeah. with Inception, did you ever watch that yet? By I the way? haven't yet. Uh, you know, he kind of does go into this different kind of
4: way. Honestly, of Honestly, unless unless they have a, a really good scientific explanation for Solomon Grundy, I do not see them going that way. No, I like I, the the last two Batman movies have been very yes. mysticism light. Except for Ra's Ghoul, basically. Which was... Which was, who knows, right? It's like, yeah, uh, okay.
2: Also, I think you could I, use Penguin and the Riddler very effectively in mm-hmm. this in this movie, because then you get into that crime because element, they both have which cool is what, hats. You know, because that's what Batman think, fights is crime.
0: I think Rico hit it right on the head, I mean, a very realistic character, and one who's You know, almost a dark mirror of the Batman, which, since the Batman is dark, would be a light mirror. The Music Meister, I think, would be amazing.
2: (laughs) Played by Mark Hamill?
0: No, played by Neil Patrick
2: Harris. (laughs) Uh, That would be pretty good.
0: And we must beware his wrath! I know I do.
2: So, out of the 290 votes that have been cast so far, by far 40% of of the people, people have uh, cast their vote for the Riddler. Catwoman coming next, followed by Killer Crack, Solomon Grundy, and the Penguin.
0: First of all, Killer Crack is something that plumbers have. (laughs)
2: Uh, But I think
0: part of that might be identification. I mean, the Riddler is probably, with the exception of Catwoman, who I don't believe most people perceive as a villain anymore, probably the biggest name Mm -hmm. listed. Yeah, And again, I think the the Penguin stock is really damaged by Danny DeVito right now, even 20 years later. All right.
2: Well, listeners, go over there, cast your vote for the major spoilers poll of the week, Batman Movie Villains. Keep watching it because we'll see how it changes or if it changes over the coming week. We're going to take a quick break, listen to some feedback from some of our listeners, some comments, whatever we've got. And then we'll come back to talk about Coney Waves, the perfect wave, right after this.
5: Good evening spoilers, my name is Dexter102 and today you are going to get a 61 second review of District 9, a film which I saw District 9 in 61 seconds starting from now. Okay, the basic plot is aliens have come to Earth in this big mothership, and they've all been located in a shanty town just inside Johannesburg, and MNU, sort of the big bosses of this, want to move them to a district outside called District 10. And it's about the relocation process, and we follow one human as bad things start happening to him. The first 45 minutes were intelligent, thoughtful, well done, well-paced. Science fiction, which is my kryptonite when it comes to films. And then I paused it and went and had dinner. And I thought, all right, I don't like the main character. That's not got going for it. But it's okay, it's good. I I mean, I'm enjoying it. Then I came back, and the next 45 minutes were so thuddingly dull and such a change in tone. It has no internal consistency between the two segments. It felt like I was watching two entirely different films. There was good character development and a good ideas behind it, but because it had no internal consistency and the performances were kind of weak, I have to give it only three slices, which annoys me, because I really wanted to give it more. Well, as always, peace and love.
1: Steven, Rodrigo, and Matthew. This is Flappy. I need to give you my heartfelt thanks.
2: I just got ass-fucked by being in traffic for the past two and a half hours because of a goddamn jackknife tractor trailer on Route 130 in New Jersey. Now, this area had very few roads for me to go off of. The one that they had the detour going down got me really, really, really screwed. It's a 25- to 30-minute commute for me, and it is now taking about three hours, and I'm still about 15 minutes away from home. But thank you very much, gentlemen. You helped me keep my sanity, if not my uh, profanity, from flying. Thanks again, everybody, for contributing to the Major Spoilers podcast. If you would like to contribute, uh, either by an email that we've read earlier in the show or... If you would like to comment about the trade paperback that we're reviewing of the week, or if you've got something else you'd like to discuss or phone in, all you got to do is call the Major Spoilers Hotline. That number, Matthew, is...
0: 785-727-1939, the Major Spoilers Hotline.
2: Yeah, I'm trying to keep these cough drops from causing problems this week, but apparently they're not.
0: I know, I've had a really sore throat for a couple of days.
2: This week we are discussing Coney Waves, the perfect wave from Arcana... Uh, this uh, is the story of Kony Kanawai, a private detective in Honolulu, Hawaii, who, with the help of her friends,
4: uh, <laughs>
2: solves uh, spooky Ooh, mysteries.
4: She's from Hawaii. Hawaii. And, and her dumb dog. Yes.
2: <laughs> now, here's the interesting thing about uh, Kony. She was working her way through college at one point mm-hmm. so she could get into the police academy and become a police officer. In order to make it through college to pay all of her bills, she was a stripper going under the stage name Coney Waves. So that's where we get the title character's name in this series, Mm -hmm. Coney Waves. Great name, by by the way, because she also likes to surf, right? right. Takes place in Hawaii, a place where there's a lot of of waves all the way around the island.
4: Mm -hmm. And where people will wave to you. Aloha.
2: Because they're very nice and polite. The problem is Coney also has another problem besides taking off her clothes. Yeah. She's an alcoholic. Yes, is. big alcoholic.
0: That caused Seriously. Yeah.
2: That caused all sorts of problems for her when she was on the force, and she was eventually kicked off the force. And a lot of people don't like her. But she's got a little private detective agency where she takes on cases that she wants to take on.
1: Which is kind of interesting in itself. Whatever she wants to take
2: off. Well, she does once she gets a little drunk, have a little problem keeping her clothes on for whatever reason. Um but she's got a couple of friends. She's got Pete, who is her buddy and former coworker worker uh, and eventual lover mm. and eventual vampire. Yeah. We'll talk about that. A uh, friend, Crystal. And then uh, Huka, who owns a... Uh, Hoku. Uh, H- Hoku. Yeah. Huko, who owns a bar that actually has a lot uh, of supernatural Huko. elements Huko. around it. Let's just call him Haku. We'll call him Haiku.
0: Haiku is beautiful.
2: So, Rodrigo, I think, teased this brilliantly... Uh, up on the Twitter feed today. Do you remember what you tweeted? Uh, no,
4: I have to find my tweet.
2: I have to find my tweet. I've lost it.
4: I don't know where my tweet...
2: I've lost my tweet.
4: Here, I'll find it. My went. I'll find it.
0: Uh, Rodrigo says... For those of us who don't read Twitter, let's just stare into space
5: for
2: five <laughs> seconds. <laughs> okay. Tonight, on the Major Spoilers podcast, sexy Asian vampire slayer, private eye, former cop, former stripper, Cap Locks! And that sums up this whole thing. I mean, this, I mean, first of all, <laughs> it's set in Hawaii, so you've got that kind of detective vibe to it, um, very much like what we've seen in shows like Hawaii 5 and Magnum P.I. and some mm-hmm. of those things. Then you've got the Buffy the Vampire Slayer element because each tale has this supernatural twist to it. Either she's battling some Hawaiian god or demon, she's fighting off vampires, mm-hmm. uh, she's fighting off mummies. And I forget what else she fights a so giant, uh, uh, a werewolf. Yeah, a like werewolf a, and monster a fish, fish. Face giant, werewolf. giant yeah. tiki monsters. Giant tiki monsters. It's the ghost of
0: Mono Tiki Tia.
2: <laughs> um. And what's interesting, and I, I could have sworn that I've read at least one of these issues before, and I don't know if I actually have a physical copy here. Arcana sent us a uh, a review copy for us to discuss, so it's an electronic copy. But I could have sworn I've read this story before. And what I find interesting about it is, I know just by the things that we've described so far, this sounds like a terrible, terrible series. Mm -hmm. But there's actually some cool bits to it. I mean, you first start reading and it just seems like individual random stories. Oh, today she's fighting a tiki god. Oh, now she's fighting this mummy over this lost helmet. Now she's fighting some vampires on a music video set. Oh, there she's drunk again. Now she's fighting an alien. But then over the course of the, (laughs) I don't know how many... Single issues are here. It's over 300 pages, I think, in uh, it's like terms the of the trade. Something. 242. 242. Over it, there is a much pages, bigger yeah. story that unfolds. Mm-hmm. We discover the relationship between uh, Coney and Pete. We discover mm-hmm. how he turns into a vampire and how ultimately he sacrifices himself to save her. Mm-hmm. We see a recurring villain that pops up again and
4: again and again in this book. Who I believe... Hobo, yeah, ho-po, whose ho-po. name I believe is hope Po 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 Po. Something like that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Everything's an anime reference to you.
2: So uh that's kind of a
4: general overview. Mm-hmm. Rodrigo, thoughts. Yeah. Um I thought it was alright, honestly. The um because it is largely kind of Done in one single issue. Right, sometimes right. I felt that the pacing was off. Oh yeah, the
1: pacing's um, way off in a lot of places. It's
4: it's really fast and it's kind of like yeah. I a lot of the time I felt like I was going, um. Hey, Kony, are you going to explain this? No, no. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, let's go then. Like, there's no, there's very little frame of reference. A lot of the time, like right. sometimes I was like, wait. Does everybody know that supernatural things exist, or is this like a secret thing? Because, sure, some people are terrified when a fish wolf jumps out of the Mm -hmm. bushes, but, I mean, they would be terrified if a tiger jumped out of the bushes, you know? Right, right. It's like... uh, I don't know if the supernatural
2: is really well-known here, because there's the issue with the vampires when they're first introduced. Coney's hired by this travel agency to figure out why all of his... Uh, Howleys are dying, mm-hmm. uh, because if if the Howleys keep dying, they're not going to keep coming out and, and coming to the island, right. says the Howley. Um, and so she gets to the beach where some people have washed ashore, and one of the cops is like, look, they've, um, their bodies have all decayed. They've
4: been drained of blood. Yeah,
2: and then Coney's like, oh no, their oh. bodies have been drained of all fluids. Mm-hmm. And so then that kicks off this whole vampire kind of arc thing that goes on
4: which is another weird thing because she just kind of looks at them as like oh they have been exsanguinated like really just kind of by looking at them right right well
2: they kind of looked at the art and they did look kind of drained of all fluids
4: yeah the drained of all fluids thing though is a different monster that's the succubus oh yeah that's the succubus that's That's the spider lady that's right
2: succubus forget Mm -hmm. about her
4: um, Which, you know, the doctor is like, well, your player has been drained of all fluids, but <laughs> he'll, be, he'll be all right. He'll be okay in a few days. <laughs> what? In a couple of what? days. And I was, like, flipping through the pages. Like, after <laughs> I read that story, I was like, wait, so is the doctor in on it? Is he also? Right. Like, is he like this? No. No, the doctor's just like, well, this person doesn't have a drop of water in his body. <laughs> he'll be fine, though. He's like <laughs> Dr. Spachemin <laughs> from uh, 30 Rock.
2: You know, even though some of the uh, supernatural mythologies aren't quite followed mm-hmm. correctly with the monsters that are introduced, it's a it's a fun monster read, right? I mean, it's just, it's almost, yeah. I don't want to say it's Scooby-Doo in its mm-hmm. in its execution as far as the monsters go, because, you know, you don't pull the rubber mask off at the end and it turns out to be Farmer Brown or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of how I felt the books read. is kind of like a Scooby-Doo mystery. Yeah, it's I mean, like
4: uh, Scooby-Doo me. <laughs> yes. Um,
2: I I don't know. It's the one that it really reminds struck me. me of, as,
3: of.
0: Go ahead. It reminds me of Vampirella in the 70s where there was the, you know, the whole horror monster, chiller horror, blah, scary stuff kind right. of background going on. But the main character was basically this fun loving kind of ditzy girl who. You didn't want to push too far because when you did, she was like a total badass, but mm-hmm. that was the real vibe that I got out of this, especially, you know, about the third time Coney shot somebody in the face on panel. Right. I'm like, wow, maybe you shouldn't F with Coney waves. Right. Right. <laughs> And I like how everybody just keeps
2: calling her Coney Waves, her stripper name. Mm-hmm. And everybody's saying, you yep. know, Coney, you've got an, a drinking problem. Shut up, you. I don't got a drinking problem. Pass no. the alcohol. And just i
0: I'm, I'm not drunk. I drunk. just pushed the guy through a chipper shredder because it was funny.
4: <laughs> <laughs> and see, that's another thing. Is like, so certain things leading you know the doctor saying is like oh he's been drained of all fluids but that's clearly not st- a monster doing it right. it's like okay so people don't know the supernatural so they're rationalizing it and then she goes through and shoots 10 people in the face who were zombies <laughs> right, right but people aren't right, like you shot, shot people in the, in the face oh no well they were they zombies we're which is not going to talk was, about it a special effect it. yeah which again, you know, you think the cops would be like, Wow, those sure look like bodies. <laughs> no, those are really good special but, effects. And here's the thing, if the if the cops are incompetent enough to not be able to tell that those are bodies, why did she get kicked off the force?
2: Well, and it has to do with Lau or whatever his name is, Lou, uh, one of the detectives on the force, who we meet in the first issue, mm-hmm. who's just a real jerk I believe it's the Lo entire a. time. Loe. Uh he yeah. turns out to be A big bad later on in the uh, in the series Mm -hmm. turns out to be a. uh, You uh, knew he would. No, I just thought he was that jerk guy, always giving her hassle. Not like uh, Coco Coco. They lampshaded
0: it early enough for me.
2: Whatever that guy's name was, I was really surprised when he made a reappearance. Yeah. Because he uh, there there's this tiki god, that has to eat three virgins or something before sunrise, Mm -hmm. and he kidnaps Coney to do
0: that. Funniest thing you've ever seen.
2: He is, and then as the uh, sun is rising, Coney kicks the bad guy right into the Tiki God, and they meld together into this weird statue. And then later they unmeld and begin their rampage of terror again.
4: Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, well there's like, a lot of unexplained I was never
0: stuff here, really I was never clear how Hopa Hopo came back from the dead after mm-hmm. you know being merged with Pu'e Ah. But I will say this: just reading the book. I'm not going to say that it's really a, a, a high quality story that you know you're going to come back to over and over. No, but there's not. a joyfulness to it. Yeah, there's there's kind of a you know a, an entertainment factor of where you know we've got these mysteries and they're kind of tongue in cheek and kind of scary all at once. And the lead character is this hot chick, and when things get really serious, she'll just shoot it in the face. The end. I kind of like that.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, I don't know.
4: What would you have liked to have seen more of in this story, Rodrigo? Um, I would have liked to have seen, not necessarily an explanation, but a baseline of what people believe and don't believe, and then kind of sticking to it. Yeah. Um. Because... She never seems surprised that there are vampires, mm-hmm. which leads you to, be- but they never say, oh, and by the way, I deal with supernatural crap all the time. Right. It's just kind of hinted at, but it's hinted at in, like, the dis- like the first page that is basically the pitch for the book, so right. you don't know if the first issue is her first encounter ever with the supernatural. I don't, I don't think so. It- exactly. You don't think so, but you don't know. Right. Um, and it's basically that. It's just that over and over again, things happen because they happen, mm-hmm. and things stop happening because they stop happening. And throughout, you do get to see the back of a topless girl a lot. Yes, but I, honestly, so that doesn't. I I guess so. They, there is some gore in this. Yeah, there's um, a little bit of that. Yeah, but I- you know, for me, that doesn't quite cut it because I have access to internet pornography. Yeah. You know, I uh, I thought the art was fine.
2: You know, I didn't... Yeah, the, no, the I art thought the art was fine. The one thing, and again, I don't know, but from what I understand, not being from Hawaii or have spent any time around Hawaiians mm-hmm. or um, or been there myself, but I understand that generally there's a lot of superstition
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, in the island, and I would have liked to have seen more of the Hawaiian superstition... Yeah come out, the Hawaiian myths, the ghosts, those kinds of things come out into the story. And instead of a alien from outer space or instead of a mummy from Egypt being big bads, I would have liked to have seen more of the Hawaiian myth. There was a great series by B. Clay Moore and uh, Steve Griffin called uh, Hawaiian Dick, The Last Resort. Mm -hmm. That's actually a really good, it takes place in Hawaii too. It's a detective kind of story, but it also plays on, ghosts and spirits of hawaii islands yeah and i and i would have liked to have seen maybe more of that in the book mm-hmm. i would have liked to have seen a little bit more character so, development i think so a the, lot of times the
0: volcano creature and the walking tiki creature and the point where huko actually know, that, calls volcano, upon that in-
2: volcano creature is an alien from outer space
0: But i'm just saying the the tiki and the, the walking tiki guy the Tiki God was really the and only Huko, one that I Huko really... using his his relics to to call upon the power of, I don't know... Yeah, but somebody. those are relics no, tiki, from all yeah. over the place. Those are relics from oh, all over
2: the world.
4: Using using his relics to call upon the power of Hokuko ex machina? <laughs>
2: yes. Exactly. I don't know. I'm I would have saying, liked to have he, seen more of that in the story.
1: Well, and I don't and know... Just in general, for me, more that explanation. seems like
0: a more... That seems more like a question of Real, I guess, reality. Sure. To me, I, I think that with one exception, and I'll get to the exception in a moment, this series has, is, you know, very light and very kind of, and then this happened and then this happened. And, uh, the stripper killed the giant creature with the, uh, chipper shredder and it was all awesome. Mm-hmm. And then her boyfriend burst into flames. Because there's, he was a I mean, there's, well. I like the fact that the art kind of reminds me of Dick Giordano from the 60s, back when Mm -hmm. he was uh, working for Charlton Comics, which is really good. And I like the fact that, you know, they're not afraid to – if you've got a, a story about a stripper, there are two problems, there are two places you can fall into, because there's something about strippers that many people don't understand. Strippers aren't about being naked. Strippers are about the tease to get naked. So, you have that weird line of sometimes strippers will show up in, like, a Marvel comic and wear way too much. Or, like, when you see a strip club on, uh, uh, on like, Desperate Housewives, mm-hmm. where they aren't giving you enough teas. Or there are times where if you watch, like, I don't know, Cinemax After Dark. Or So I've Heard, <laughs> where you get too much stripper. I think that the, the balance of tees here is just about right. The balance of, oh, she's almost naked. Right. Ah, if it weren't for that duct tape, you know, we'd be seeing everything to see. I like that. I like the fact that, you know, it's just kind of a book where wild things happen. And I, you know, I kind of wondered as I was going through, it's never really made clear. It's never anything but subtext is maybe the reason why she accepts all of this is because she's half drunk most of the time anyway. That could be it, yeah. And she has that, that half drunk logic and the only exception for me of the fun is the point where all of a sudden we break away for Kony to do some sort of PSA for her favorite band Ugh. and buy their CD <laughs> available now. Yeah, that was pretty bad. And I'm like, what, really? Did you look and see if that Seriously? was, I'm sure that's a real band.
4: Yeah,
0: I know it was a real band the whole time it was there because it was like, you know, that episode where Scooby-Doo meets Corn. Yeah. That may have been a South Park episode. I don't know, but. Yes, it was. <laughs> throughout that whole thing, it was just like they're, they're spending too much time. It's like when Chris Claremont used to talk about Cats Laughing and how it was Kitty Pride's favorite band. You knew that much detail and that much ridiculous, you know, attention was being paid to his real friends or, you know, the writer's real friends. So aside from the point where she looks, you know, looks us dead in the eye and breaks the fourth wall and sells us a CD. Um, I think that the tone is pretty much spot on for what they're doing here. Yeah, and there isn't yeah. a whole lot of explanation.
2: No, I mean it's a it's but a silly. I mean it's not people... silly as in you know, cast away disregard this. It's silly fun, in a very buffy esque way. Fun. It's like it's like season one of Buffy. Mm. And season one of Buffy was mm. not super great. Uh, but I there's would a say lot It's of, a
0: little lighter than season one of Buffy.
2: Yeah, uh, there's a lot of good stuff in here. Uh, I would like to see what would happen. I don't know if they've continued anything beyond this this trade, um, but I would like to see more of this. Quite honestly, mm-hmm. even if it was in a digital form only, you know, even if it was just offered on uh, the iTunes Store, if it was offered through Comixology or something like that, and that's how they're making their money, I, I don't know. There's there's possibilities. I really love the intro of each story, mm. how it how yeah. it kind of sets everything up. I really really like that.
0: Huco's Tales. I
2: think the um I think the art is good. I think there's good character development and universe building, although I'd like maybe a little bit more explanation like Rodrigo said. Mm. I can see this being a TV show. Yeah.
1: I really All could on Cinemax on
0: CW right after Coed Confidential.
2: A very good series by the way. Rodrigo, some final
4: thoughts on on uh, Coney Waves? Um well, I found it to not have a lot of direction, I thought the dialogue was. It it went from passable to tried and cliched. <laughs> um, that makes it fun, though.
2: Does it? I don't know. There's something about that that works.
4: I I don't know. Honestly, if if the character was was, like, a Dudley do-right who is is funny because he is kind of a joke on the hero things, but you're supposed to think Coney is cool. Right. And, you know, she says... She kicks the fire alien in the head into a volcano and says, let's turn up the heat (laughs) and crap like that. Um, I honestly... I started out not enjoying it very much, and then the, the, and then I realized that I was watching an infomercial, mm-hmm. and that's about where I bailed. I mean, I kept reading it because we were reviewing it on the right, show, right, right. but after, after that, that everything was yeah. just, it, it was like yeah. pins and needles. Recommend, not recommend. I, I think that. If you see it in the store, you might want to do other people a favor and just pull the next book over the cover of it. It's not that bad, but I I definitely wouldn't recommend
2: it. I like it just because it's good for a laugh. It's one of those things that, you know, turn your mind off and just enjoy it and read it. Um, Pick it up. I, I can't say just recommend going rushing out and picking up, but if you see it and if you flip through it and you like the art and you you kind of want to know a little bit more, eh, buy it. It's not going to kill you. But that tiki god might.
0: It's not going to kill you, folks. Major spoiler. I think (laughs) they probably quote us on the... (laughs) (laughs) Major spoiler says, it ain't going to kill
2: (laughs) you. I enjoyed it. It's not the best thing in the world. I would say it's up to you to decide. If I were going to give it a meatloaf rating, I'd actually probably give it two and a half, maybe three slices just for the fun gimmicky factor of what's going on. And I think, you know, if... I don't know what's going on with this series. I don't know what they're doing with this series. I don't know if there's any other issues after this, but I think that the creators have something that, if they could tweak it and work it, they could have a really, really solid hit on their hands. That isn't isn't spandex and well, I mean it is spandex. That isn't superheroes.
0: It's 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 definitely spandex yeah, it and is. a little bit of leather and some some yes. lycra. Matthew Rafter um, for me, for us. I think. I think the main thing is, with a little consistency of tone and a little more focus on the things that you and Rodrigo have mentioned, this could be a a surefire hit. The main problem, I think, for it is the breakneck, the kind of, you know, throw it all at the wall and see if it sticks. It does work, and it gives us some good moments, but it also gives us some real groaners. Mm-hmm. And I think with a little more craft and consistency, this could be a, a really phenomenal comic. The The only complaint that I have is that Kony, aside from some of the covers, never looks all that Hawaiian or no, even, you know, all that vaguely Asiatic, Asian, right. you know. She, well, I don't know. I, I don't believe that Hawaiian and Asian are necessarily the same thing. She doesn't look Polynesian. She doesn't look Asian. She looks like a dark haired version of Tiffany and Epiphany and Sandy and Quinn and all the other girls of the fashion club. Which you know, again, that's that's something to do with an, an artistic preference. But overall, it's a fun kind of thing. Um, I'll put it to you this way: I like it better than the Marv arc of Sin City. Okay, but I don't like it better than the first twenty-five issues of the New Warriors. Okay. it's it's something that I wouldn't necessarily say rush right out in a buying frenzy, but definitely check it out. Pick it up. It may be, you know, it may be exactly your cup of tea, especially if you like, you know, kind of a tongue in cheek adventure where a zombie and a walking tiki and a girl with a shotgun half naked are things that appeal to you. Or, (laughs) you know, a a guy surfing and a a zombie attacking or no, excuse me, a vampire attacking out of the wave as he as he as he hits the curve. It's like, dude, I'm hanging ten, and she's biting me in the neck. Whoa. And we were all like, whoa. And she was like, whoa. And then we were like, whoa. And she was like, ooh.
2: Coney Waves, the perfect wave from Arcana Comics. It's out in trade paperback. Um, I was hoping that some people would write in and tell us what they thought of it, but... Mm Hey, surprisingly, no one... Uh, I,
4: I, I hadn't heard we, of it. No,
2: n- and really, in, until I had seen a couple of things, I, I hadn't heard of it either. So, we want to expose we you to We may be the first.
0: Things. And well, we want do. you to read this, because we don't want to be the first every time. <laughs> All right, everybody. You're that wraps it up for this first. issue.
2: Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being part of the Major Spoilers Experience. Next week, Truth, Red, White, and Black. Why? Because we know that you love comics, and we do too, and we'll talk with you real soon.
4: Now that's what I call fighting fire with fire.
1: <laughs> if you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash Majorspoilers and on MySpace at myspace.com slash Majorspoilers
3: What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm stark rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline What would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fun Being in the Middle of East With a king, Santo throwing soldier what a major spoiler! What a major spoiler, yeah, yeah, yeah! What a major spoiler, wow, wow, wow! What a major spoiler! Major Spoilers
1: Podcast, copyright 2010.